How do I hear the voice of God? Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Everybody bright-eyed and bushy-tailed? No? Good. All right, man. I got my salmon-colored pants on today. No socks. It's hot outside. Some of you are wearing shorts. I wish I was wearing shorts. Maybe one day my wife will let me wear shorts to church, but not today. So, wow. She said I'd keep my feet covered because I have the ugliest toes she's ever seen. Yeah, she loves me. And so, anyhow, um, but uh, so I got closed-toed shoes on today. It's all good. Hey, I want to uh, really encourage you on the 4th of July deal. My Tammy and myself will be here for the parade. Uh, it's one of those, those things that we really enjoy to do and fun and serving the community. So I hope that you'll not only bring water uh, and drop it off here at the church, but also um, turn around and just be a part of that day. Just It's just an hour or so, whatever, a few hours of your day. It's, a, it's an incredible time. And then we always end at the park, which is great food. And I'm telling you, the, the uh, Lutheran church over here, those ladies make pies, the best pies in town. I tell you, what, if you show up and you just need a connoisseur to kind of navigate you through the food tent and the food trucks, just let me know. I'll be right ha happy. I can just tell you where to get the best corn, the best. And we do it in a, we'll do it in a series. It'll be good that, for your digestive tract. And wow, I'm excited already. I wish it was happening right now. Like, didn't today feel like a good 4th of July day? It has some corn on the cob. Come on, don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. Have a good pig roast a little bit. You know what I'm talking about. Hey, man, get a couple of hamburgers, some brats, a lot of kraut, a lot of mustard, onions. Your breath's kicking like a five-legged ninja. Anybody? That's all I'm talking about, man. And then top it off, man, Robert's frozen custard always has those big ice cream sandwiches or the custard sandwiches. Oh, sweet Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's be at the marriage supper of the lambs. Anyhow, I'm just saying, so I hope you'll be a part of that. We're talking today about, not about food, but, or the 4th of July, but we're talking about hearing the voice of God. So we, this series is a series where you ask questions, and we want to kind of unpack it in real practical ways. And so if you have your Bible, if you turn me to John's Gospel, chapter 10, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, and uh, John chapter 10, I want to, I, I, I want to, I'm going to ask a question at the beginning of this message, and then I'm going to come back to it at the end. And um, in my, getting my master's degree in theology, one of my professors, who was a dean of theology at the school, um, astute man, incredibly intelligent, has more doctorates than I can rattle off, uh, uh, went to Yale, very, very, very intelligent, would, would give these incredible lectures. And I mean, and, and, and if you're a communicator or a leader and you're in a, in a setting like that, you're, you're two tracks. One, you're trying to, to get all the information as a student, but then you're also going, man, that's an incredible illustration. Man, that's a great sermon. That's a great series. That's a great, I mean, and so your brain is just firing on. And, and, and then when he would get done, like almost in the heat of the moment, he would sit down, he would cross his hands, and he would just simply fold his hands and would just simply say this. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Go. And at that point, he wanted the class to begin to talk to him about what the Holy Spirit, what God was speaking through the lecture that he had just given. What, what's the download? What's the, what's the takeaway? What, what's the tweak? What's the adjustment? What's the conviction? What's the confirmation? What's the voice of God saying? 
And he, in doing so, kind of taught us that, that theological reflection, that, that to hear a, a teaching from God's word and to hear whether it's a lecture, a sermon, or whatever, and then to begin to think and just sit and be still and let the Holy Spirit speak, that God will speak, are we listening? And that's my question for you today. What is the Holy Spirit not saying to us as a church, not saying to me, not saying to someone sitting to your left or to your right, not saying to your parents or to your kids, or, but what is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Because here's what I do believe, and I'm going to show you this in Scripture, that God speaks and that his voice is one that you can know and discern very easily. The question is, are you listening? What is he saying to you? Jesus begins to explain how God works and how he speaks, how the voice of God works in our life in John chapter 10. I'm going to begin in verse number 1, and we're going to kind of walk through this, this passage. Most assuredly, I say to you, Jesus, this is Jesus, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And to him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings them out, his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Again, he's using this voice, this word voice, over and over and over in these first five verses. He lets us know that that there, he gives this illustration that the leader of the sheep is a shepherd. And that the shepherd leads by his voice. Now, if you've ever been in a context where you've ever seen a real live shepherd with real sheep, you will notice that they don't lead from behind. They always lead from in front. Sheep have very poor eyesight, and so they listen to the voice. And so they're following the voice. There's a relationship between the shepherd and his sheep. And, there is, and, and the connection there is this voice. They hear that voice and they begin to follow. If you've ever seen a picture or, or you ever see, maybe you're somewhere where, where they're actually still very much shepherding sheep. If you ever see someone behind sheep with a long rod and with a flock and is driving them forward, not leading them but driving them forward, and he will take a rod to the right and then take a rod to the left and try to keep the herd going this way and that way. He's not leading them by his voice. He's actually driving them, and there's a difference. This is a, whole, this is a great leadership lesson. And because we as people, are, as, 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 as children of God, are, are, as Christians, are called sheep. And, and so uh, we, we're not, God doesn't drive us to things. He leads us to things. And he leads us by his voice. But those that you would see that are driving sheep are actually driving them to slaughter. They care nothing about the sheep. They care nothing about the relationship. All they want is the wool, and they, then, they, then they want to make lamb chops out of them. That's it. And the only way that they can do that is the sheep will not follow them, their voice, because they don't know their voice. The sheep will only be driven from behind. Jesus said, no, no, no. The shepherd leads by his voice. And he always leads in front. He goes out of the gate. The gate's a symbol of authority. That anybody else that comes in any other way or out any other way doesn't operate with authority, but they're doing their own thing. But the shepherd always goes out of the gate first, goes out of the door first, always comes in last. Why? Because he's protecting and taking care of his sheep, and he leads them by his voice. He knows their name. Again, Jesus is, is still in kind of illustration mode. 
But these guys in the first century would have understood this, that that shepherd knows, counts, knows, knows the sheep. There is this intimacy, there's this relationship. Look at verse 6. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. If you've ever read something from the Bible and you didn't understand it, you're in good company. So the disciples didn't get half of what Jesus said either. And, and, and even in church sometimes, if you're ever there, you're kind of going, I, I need to marinate on this. I, I got to kind of connect the dots. This is sometimes the human condition. So Jesus goes on and he explains. He kind of connects the dots. Look at verse 7. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you that I'm the door of the sheep. He's like, okay, Bueller, Bueller, anyone, anyone, let's just bring this down. I'm the door of the sheep. Whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, and the sheep did not hear them. It goes back to the voice connection. Look at verse 9. For I am the door, and anyone who enters by me will be saved, and will go in and out and will find pasture. Again, this is a connection back to Psalm 23. For the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's all this connection. That they would have. Verse 10, for the thief does not come but to steal and to kill and destroy. But I, Jesus said, have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Verse 11, for I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. But the hireling who is not the shepherd, a one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and he flees. For the wolf catches the sheep and he scatters them. And the hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I know them my own. And, and as the Lord knows me, even so I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 16, I'm going to come back to this in a minute. And I have other sheep. You may say, who are those other sheep? We'll get to that in a minute. I have other sheep or other sheep I have which are not of this fold them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So Jesus says, okay, guys, you don't get this. Let me, let me just bring it down for you. I'm the shepherd, and everyone who's a follower of Jesus Christ, who's a follower of me, Jesus would say, is sheep. And there's this relationship to God always comes through the Son. Because the Son is the one that will give his life. He will lay down his life. He will be the Messiah, and he'll do that. Everybody else is just a player and they're, they're hirelings, and they're here today and gone tomorrow. It's interesting that four different times Jesus uses the phrase, I am, in this passage. I am. I'm the good shepherd. I am the door. I am. Don't just take this lightly. This goes all the way back to what God says to Abraham, and he really personifies this when his conversation with Moses, where he says, I am. He declares of himself as a, as a characteristic and attribute of who God is, that, that I am. When Moses says, uh, when, when, when Moses says to, to God, what, who, when I go before the most powerful person on the face of the planet, Pharaoh, and he asks me, whose authority am I coming on? Who sent you? God says to Moses, you tell him that I am sent you. Now, Jesus is using the same phraseology. I understand that John's gospel is written in Greek, and the Old Testament, Genesis, is written in, and Exodus is written in Hebrew. But it's the exact same uh, characteristic. It's the exact same name uh, in, in, in both settings. And, and here's what he's, he's, he's connecting to. And these guys, again, would have understood this in the first century, that this is a connection to how God declares himself to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, how he declares himself to Moses, how he declares himself throughout the Old Testament. Jesus is connecting himself to that through verbiage. And here's what it means. It means in the Old Testament and the New Testament, when God says of himself, I am, I am whatever you need me to be. You're my children. You're my sheep. I'm your father. I'm your shepherd. Whatever you need of me to be, I am. 
You need me to be a provider, I'll be the provider. You need me to be a healer, I'll be the healer. You need me the one, the one that goes in front of you, I'll be the one that will lead you. You need comfort, I'll be the one that will give you peace. Whatever this world demands of you, whatever life takes from you, whatever the situation says, I am. That's a powerful, powerful statement. And Jesus is declaring not just to the disciples but to us that God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son is the I am. Whatever we need of him to be, not that he's some cosmic Santa Claus, but I'm saying when we need peace in our life, when we need strength in our life, when we need joy in our life, when we need hope in our life, when we need God to show up, and if God doesn't show up, we're going to fall apart. And that moment, he is whatever we need him to be because he's the I am. Jesus uses this phrase all the way through and says, I'm the door. So I'm the proper way in which to get to God. How do you get to eternity? There's only one way, through Jesus the Son. You don't get through there through Muhammad. You don't get there through Krishna. You don't get there through, through, through transcendental meditation. There's one name under heaven by which man can be saved, and that's the name of Jesus. Jesus is declaring to the disciples, and he will continue to declare it, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The, the emphasis of three always is highlighting and emphasizing something. The article the coming before that communicates there is one, and his name is Jesus. Now, again, I know in the world in which we live, can't we all get along? Can't we just love one another? Can't all roads lead to God? No. And I didn't write the book. Don't get mad at me. It's what the Bible says. I don't get editorial privilege over it. I mean, there's a lot of things in Scripture I don't want to preach and talk about. The whole thing on gluttony, I completely don't want to deal with that, right? But the truth of the matter is, is that that's what Jesus declares of himself. I am the door. I'm the way. And everybody else, they're robbers and thieves, he says. You, you want to be politically incorrect? You just, just walk that out for a little bit. i got to go on. I'm running out of time. Uh, I, I, I'm not a hireling. I'm a shepherd. He says in verse 14, I'm the good shepherd. I know your name. Think about that just for a minute. The God who spoke the world into existence knows you by name. That's not like Sunday morning preacher talk. This is what the Bible says. And this knowing comes from a relationship. So, so let's talk about this relationship because he keeps going back to it. It's all predicated on hearing the voice of God, hearing the voice of God, hearing the voice of God. So how does hearing the voice of God work? That's really the question behind today's message. Well, first of all, is it possible to hear God's voice? Is it possible to hear the voice of God? And the answer would be yes. Yes, we just read it right there. But verse 27 of John chapter 10 will go on. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Again, he likens himself to the shepherd and you and I to the sheep. Don't mean to really build you up today and encourage you, but sheep are not that smart. They're, just, they're not a very smart creature. Uh, <laughs> they're not. And the reality is, is that ha they have to be led. They need to be led. There's this constant relationship between the shepherd and between the sheep. Sheep are getting in trouble. Sheep will die. Sheep won't find pasture. Sheep won't find water. Sheep will find trouble. They're not a very agile animal to begin with, uh, and depend upon how much wool, and if they're not groomed properly, all these things can, you can unpack. So they're completely dependent upon the shepherd. And Jesus says, look, man, my sheep hear my voice. I am the shepherd. I know them and they follow me. So the key to hearing the voice of God is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not about going to church. It's not about, like, putting money in the offering. It's about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Well, what happens if I'm not a Christ follower? Go, go back up to verse 16. I said I'd get to this. Jesus says, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them I must bring, also must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus is speaking there and the, and the fact that he's got the fold, which are, are, which are his sheep, which know his voice and have a relationship, followers of Jesus Christ. Because again, he begins with the illustration, then he unpacks the illustration because the disciples don't get it. And he says, hey, but there's also these that, that will hear my voice but are not part of the fold yet, but I've got to go get them. Now, if you want to get theological on it, he's speaking to all Jews. He's speaking of Gentiles at this point. He's talking about what, what, what he will, when he will later speak to Peter about go to the house of Cornelius because the, 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 the Italian, we can thank the Italians for, for, for bringing the gospel to us, amen, more than just spaghetti and maggianos, amen. So, 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 so this is how the, the gospel goes to the Gentiles because at this point it's completely Judaism. It's all going to the Jews. But he goes, no, no, there's other people yet to hear. But the same principle works even today. And that is, is that you hear the voice of God if you're not a Christ follower, but it's one message. Come home. All you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. You need grace? This is where you find grace in Jesus. You need life? John 10.10, 10, he says that the thief, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life. Come to me. So the voice of the shepherd to those outside the fold, verse 16, to come be a part of the fold, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you're far away from God, that's the voice of the Lord that's speaking to you, that's drawing you. The Bible says that nobody comes to relationship with God except we're drawn by the Holy Spirit. We're drawn by the voice of God. Verse 16 says that that's the message that comes to us. But then once we're in the fold, once we're a part of the flock, once we are followers of Jesus Christ, there's this relationship predicated on the voice of God and us knowing and hearing and understanding them. So the second question, what keeps me then from hearing, hearing God's voice? What keeps me from hearing God's voice? Jim Elliott, the great um, a missionary, said this, How effectively has the noise of men silenced the voice of God? What will keep you from hearing God's voice? The noise of life. It's all the background noise. It's all the things that we allow to, to push it out. You've got to understand, God is a gentleman. He's not going to push his way. He'll draw you. He'll invite you. He'll set a table before you. But it's up to you whether you decide you want to take the invitation, whether you want to kind of, Here, here's my number, give me a call. I'll be there. When you call, I'll be there. I'll answer. But you've got to pick up the phone and call. You've got to take the invitation. You've got to reciprocate that. He, he's not going to push himself on you. But he's there. Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, I love this word picture. He stands at the door of every man's heart and he knocks. Jesus is at the door. He's ringing the doorbell. He just wants to come in. And the Bible says, and eat with you. He wants relationship. But will you answer the door? See, that, 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 and, and so what keeps us from that is all the noise of life, all the, the things in this world that are just, it's, it's, it's the noise. It, it can be, I, I don't ever have a quiet time because I'm too busy. That's kind of the mantra today, right? I'm busy. It's like a badge of success, which is really kind of goofy. Uh, or, I, you know, I, 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 I've got too many other things going on or too many other competing voices. And, and at some point, you have to kind of silence and find yourself in a place of silence. And again, for people like me, 
who are extroverts and type A people, silence is a very hard thing. I'm just going to tell you, it's a learned discipline. Because I don't like silence. I don't do well with silence. I don't do well with being by myself. I don't like, I, I don't like um, eating by myself. I don't, I, if, if you see me eating by myself, it's because I am going from point A to point B. I, 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 it's, it's literally, I have to have that Krispy Kreme, and that's why I've stopped. It, it's, it's, I just need the calories. I, 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 don't, I, I, don't, I don't like, I, I love, if you knew me at all, I would love to sit down with everybody, hear your story, have a cup of coffee, have a meal, uh, I was in a restaurant this week. I had three different meetings, and three different people wanted to go to the same restaurant. And the waitress said, I have seen you three times today. Yep, I'm back. Hey, it's me. This is my ministry. Okay, so, I, but the reality is, is if you're going to hear God's voice, you've got to find some silence. You've got to turn off the radio. You've got to get up early in the morning. You've got to pull away from the crowd. You've got to stay up late at night. Depends on how you're hardwired. You've got to have your time with the Lord where there's nothing else that's competing, where there is silence. It's just you and him. It could be taking a walk. It could be going to the lake. It could be finding just a quiet place. It could be retreating to your car for your lunch hour. It could be a whole lot of things. But if you're going to hear God's voice, you've got to find silence. Because he's not going to scream at you. He's not going to push. He's simply going to invite you into a conversation. And when he speaks, you know. Another question is, is, it, is there a correct posture or place to hear God's voice? Do I need to be at a certain place? Do I need to have a certain posture? And the answer would be no. The, the thing that we see in Scripture over and over and over is that when God speaks, most of the time people are alone. There's a solitude. Not they're lonely, but they are alone. They have pulled away. They've separated themselves away. They have, they have, they, 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 they've done that intentionally. Um, with Jacob, he wrestles with God. He sends his entire family ahead of him on the other side of this river, and he stops and he wrestles with God until daybreak. For Abraham, he's sitting and having a conversation with God, and God, <coughs> excuse me, in this conversation begins to move him from inside to outside. And has him to look up at the stars of the sky and say, that's how many descendants you'll have. For Moses, he's working and he sees this, this burning bush in the middle of a day. And he's standing. <coughs> Excuse me. The posture is not important. What is important is it that you're alone. David's in a field as a shepherd. Alone, God begins to speak. <coughs> he's on the battlefield. He's writing music. He's alone. It always happens when you're alone, when there is a separation that's there. So how does God speak to you? Well, first of all, we know that God speaks through the Bible. So the Bible that you have is infallible. It's inspired. It's inerrant. It's infallible, which means it doesn't fail. It's inspired, which means it's God's words written to man. Uh, it's inerrant, which means it has no error. It, 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 it doesn't contain errors. In the Old Testament, we see the Bible speaking that God speaks through angels or through dreams, through prophets and priests, apostles, miraculous individual encounters. Because here's what's happening. In the Old Testament, God is around his people. And there's a select group of people, just a handful of people that we read in Scripture, that actually have a conversation with God. 
then the New Testament comes, and we see that now God becomes not around us, but with us. So the word is given Emmanuel. When Jesus is born, he will be Emmanuel, God with us. That's what that means. So now, not only is God around us, but God now is with us. So for the first time since sin entered into the world where God walked and talked with Adam and Eve at the cool of the day, for the very first time, what happens is now Jesus, who is God, is encountering his creation. And he's talking and he's touching and he's interacting. And this is what we're reading today in John's Gospel, chapter 10. He's there and he's speaking directly. But because Jesus is in human form, he's limited to only the people he can touch, see, and can hear him. So Jesus says, hey, when I'm going to go away, when I'm going to ascend to the right hand of the Father, that John's gospel records, that that the book of Acts records, God's going to go from the Old Testament, he was around you. And now in this period of the first century, God is with you. But what's going to happen to the person of the Holy Spirit? He's going to be in you. Remember uh, Revelation chapter 3? Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. And if any of us will open the door to our heart, he'll come in. How does he come in? Through the person of the Holy Spirit. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. This this is what I don't understand about people that just kind of cut the whole thing of the Holy Spirit out. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the encounter of the Holy Spirit. It's because this is how God directly, it's it's like like a direct connection to to the Lord that, that we have. Turn over to to John's gospel. I'm staying in John. John chapter 14. Jesus communicates this to the disciples. He says this in John chapter 14, verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another helper. And that he will may, may abide with you forever. For the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive, because he neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. Notice that. He dwells with you. Now he dwells with you. Why? Because Jesus is standing in front of them. When Jesus is baptized and he begins his public ministry, what happens? The voice of God from heaven begins to boom and says, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. And so what happens is, is the transcendent God, the power of the Holy Spirit is in Jesus Christ. But Jesus has given them a clue. Hey, here's what's happening. Up to this point, the Holy Spirit's been in me and I've been with you. But what's going to happen? The Holy Spirit that's in me, that's allowing me through this flesh to be able to do the work and the will of God is now going to be in you. He goes from being with you to in you. Do you see the progression? Skip on down to verse 25. These things I've spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I've said to you. How do we remember the Bible? How do we? Through the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is constantly pointing to Jesus. He's constantly leading us into all truth. Uh, skip on over, uh, two chapters over, verse chapter 16. John chapter 16, verse 12. Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you. This is all the, part of the same conversation. It's just bit broken up in chapters so we can can kind of uh, categorize the material. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority. Why? Because Jesus is the good shepherd. He will only, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you the things to come and he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. He will speak it to you. You will hear my voice through him. 
So when people go, well, you let your conscience be your God. Yeah, if you're a secular humanist and you don't believe in God. Because what's conscience? Conscience is a condition of your mental, emotional, internal capacity that you've been taught in an environment. So if you've been raised in an environment that is, that is, uh, that, 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 that is um, completely skewed according to Scripture, then that's the way your brain's going to think. That's right and wrong. And if you've been raised in an environment where, where it's been biblical and godly, then your, your brain's going to go in that direction. And we cannot trust our conscience. Why? Because that's about us and our flesh. And we all know that our flesh is flawed. I and mean, if you read uh, Romans chapter 6 and chapter 7 and chapter 8, there's this struggle between the flesh and between the spirit. So what do we do? We trust not in ourselves, but in the spirit of Christ, the, the, the spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead, that now dwells in us, Paul says that Holy Spirit that's within us that's leading us and teaching us in all truth. So I'm not listening to my conscience. I'm listening to the voice of God through the person of the Holy Spirit. Totally different. Because one is predicated upon me, my conscience, which was created based on who I am and how and, 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 and environmental issues around me, some of which I had no control over. But when I come into Christ, I'm a new creation. All things are passed away. All things become new. I am, as, 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 as John would say, I have become born again. And so now I'm not born of the flesh. I've already done that once. I'm born now of the Spirit. So what's happening is the Holy Spirit, the, the presence of God, now fills my heart and fills my life at salvation. And he leads and guides me into all truth. Therefore, it's that Holy Spirit that's confirming. It's the Holy Spirit that's convicting. It's the Spirit of God that is speaking to my heart and to my life. So how does that work? What the process of hearing God's voice how does it work to hear your spouse or a friend or a coworker or a boss or a coach or a parent or your own children? When you're going to hear somebody speak, your ears are open. This is really deep. <laughs> your mouth is shut. Did your mother teach you that you cannot learn anything while you're talking? My mother said that to me all the time and every teacher and every authority figure in my life because I like to talk. Your mind has to be ready to receive the information and discern. That's part of what's happening. This is why Revelation chapter 12 says, excuse me, Romans chapter 12 says that we are transformed by the renewing of what? Our spirit? No. Our heart? No. Our mind. Well, because you've got all of these thoughts, you've got all these conditions, you've got all these habits, you've got all of this stuff that's being downloaded into your brain. And if you're not careful, what happens is you just have these automated responses. If I walk by, I'm just telling you, if, I, if the hot light's on at Krispy Kreme, we're stopping. Ask my children. This is a rule in our car. It doesn't matter. Tammy will go, but we're on our way to dinner. But the hot light's on, and it's a rule. And Ava will say, that's right, Mom, and we don't break rules. That's right. We follow the rules of the house. Hey, hallelujah. So this automated response. If I walk by, like, an ice cream dispenser, a soft serve. Anybody else love soft serve? I love me some soft serve. Anybody? No? You people are lying and you're in church. I'm telling you, if there's a cone there, I'm grabbing. I'm not even asking questions. It's just, I'm going to do it. Why? Because it's automated response. My mind has trained myself that when I see something like that, that's good. I'm going to eat it. It's what it is. We have to make sure that our mind is ready to receive and discern the information. So my ears are open. My mouth is shut. My mind's ready to receive and discern the data that's coming in. And my heart either accepts it or rejects it. Today, you're either accepting or rejecting the information that you're hearing today. You're auditorily hearing it. Your mouth is shut for the most part. Your mind is processing it, and your heart's either going, this is truth or this isn't truth. I believe this or I don't believe this. 
and then your body responds. The same is true, the voice of God. I cannot control the speaking of God. That's his part. I can only control my listening. But the question is, am I listening? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? It's very clear. John's gospel makes it very clear that God speaks. Jesus' voice is communicated through the person of the Holy Spirit that's in you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And even if you're far away from God, John chapter 10, verse 16, it's the voice of the Holy Spirit that's drawing you and pulling you into a relationship with Jesus. The speaking of God, Dorothy Day called it notions. George Fox, the, the great Quaker who founded uh, most of Philadelphia and Pennsylvania, called it concerns. Bill Hybels, a great pastor of Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago, calls it the whispers of the Holy Spirit. Thomas Kelly called it divine breathings. Other people call it promptings or leadings of the Holy Spirit. It's the voice of God that you just know. And people go, well, how do I know it's the voice of God? Is, is there some science? And I'm sure there is some science about the, the energy waves and all that. When we get to heaven, it'll all kind of make sense. But how do you know it? The relationship. Let me, like this. If your mother calls your name, you know it's your mother. It's not because somebody's calling your name from a female voice. You know it's your mother. When I'm down the street with John Brimmer and we're playing pickup football and my mother goes to the back porch and she yells out, Aaron, it's time to come home for dinner. It's not that serious. Let's go around a few more plays. And then all of a sudden a few more minutes pass by, Aaron Cole, it's time for you to come home for dinner. She hadn't got to the middle name yet. It's not that serious. We can run a few more plays. When she goes to the middle name, man, it's serious. And when your middle name is Ashley, you get home really fast. <laughs> so, gone with the wind. I'm, I'm, I'm a kid from the South. What can I say? So, the reality is, I know my mom's voice. Every mother in this room, you know your children's voice. And you know the differences of their cry. You know if their cry is they're hurt or they're hungry or they're just being whiny and fussy. How do you know that? You got science? You have data? Can you prove that? Can you quantify that for me? Put that in a test tube. You ask any mother why their child's crying and you tell them that, you will get knocked in the next week. How do they know that? Because they know. How do you know the voice of God? Because you know. Because there's something that's intangible in you. It's, it's it, that, that you is a creation. When the creator begins to speak, there is something that goes beyond anything else. It is indescribable. It's undeniable. It's the voice of God. So today, hearing the voice of God, uh, the first question to ask yourself is, are you a Christ follower? Because if you're not, the only voice you're going to hear is God drawing you to him. And if that's what you're sensing today, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, if we confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart that Jesus is the Lord, we will be saved. It's that simple. Interesting, it's predicated on voice. My heart responding to the voice of the Holy Spirit inside of me that's drawing me. If I'm a Christ follower, and I'm asking that question, talk to me about the voice of God. Are you spending time alone with Jesus? Again, you gotta make time for God. Are you spending time alone? 
early in the morning going for a walk, late at night, just kind of getting alone, pulling everything else off, even church worship music, whatever, just being alone in the stillness of that moment? Are your ears open and your mouth shut? Because sometimes we can be guilty to sit there in our prayer time and the entire time we are talking the entire time. That's not a conversation, that's a monologue. There should be time in your prayer time where you just sit and let the Holy Spirit speak. That's kind of awkward, is it? Would it be awkward if you and I were having lunch and you talked the entire time and I never said anything? That would be awkward. You would actually be kind of rude, crude, and socially unacceptable, wouldn't you? But we do that to God all the time. God's not a it. The Holy Spirit's not an it. It's a person. Personal pronoun of he. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Three in one, the Trinity. Are your ears open and your mouth shut? What about your mind? Is he competing for all the space of everything else you've got going on up there? Or have you said, Lord, renew my mind. Help my mind to have the right thoughts. Or is it just filled with the news of the, of the day or the concerns of the week or everything else that's going on? Sometimes it just takes a while to pull down the RPMs. I'm telling you, I, I'm a type A personality, and this is very difficult for me. It's just pulling that down. This morning, I woke up at 4.30. I walked and prayed for about two and a half miles, three miles this morning because I was awake. It was a beautiful morning. I don't care if my neighbors think I'm crazy. I'm not talking really loud. You know, I'm just calling your names that are sending in the church out in prayer first and last. I'm just teasing. <laughs> my great-grandmother used to do that. She lived downtown on the, the center square, and they said, man, you don't want to be sending Grandma Austin here because she'll call your first and your last name and the sin out. Go, oh God. God, forgive Marin for stepping out on his wife. I mean, it was, it, everybody knew what was going on. So, I, but it was just, I was up. It was my time. I'm just praying. I'm praying for you, praying for the service, praying for me, praying for my family, praying for these things. And then just being quiet and just walking and just saying, Lord, speak to my heart. Just speak to my heart. Speak to my heart. It's what Jesus did. Jesus, when they asked you, when the disciples asked Jesus, how are you doing these miracle signs and wonders? He says, I only do what I see the Father doing. Jesus had this, this rhythm of being with the people. Then he would withdraw from the people and download from the Lord through the person of the Holy Spirit what he was supposed to be doing, saying, and being. Is my heart clean? Because even if I receive it in my mind and I discern that it's correct, when it goes to my heart, the Bible says in the book of Psalms to guard my heart because out of it flows the issues of life. Maybe it's that time to pray that prayer that Psalm 51, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence where you can hear God's voice. And take not your Holy Spirit from me, but restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. And what about your body, your posture? Are you ready to respond to whatever he asks of you? See, sometimes I think we pray prayers 
that we want God to answer, but we want him to answer it our way, and he's going to answer it different. And sometimes he withholds the answer because, quite frankly, we're not ready for the answer yet. We haven't really got desperate enough yet. We haven't really gotten to the place where what we're saying with our mouth and how we're really responding with our physical body is two different things. Again, to hear the voice of God is this simple. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? 